Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American Johnny Junta. And we are here with another unbiased guest of mine, for the University of Pittsburgh Legends and current Toronto Blue Jays pitcher, TJ Zoik. What is up, TJ? Um, not much, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. I'm good. And to, and to be honest, hand up, I did have to ask you pre-interview how to pronounce your last name. Because you know what I mean? This is what we do. We care about the players here. Yeah, it's all right. Most people... I don't think I've ever had anybody get it right on the first try, so just doing uh, doing your homework. There it is. And something I forgot to also mention in the intro, I I mean, I could have made it way better. It's just you were you went 21st overall. You're a first-rounder to the Blue Jays, whatever, a little chunk of change in the <laughs> bank account. Uh, let's talk about that. I mean, how cool is that to go, first of all, in the first round, and then next thing you know, you wake up, you're probably you're still living with your parents. You got 2.175 mil just chilling in the bank account. What's that like? Well, I mean, yeah, going to the first round, uh, you know, I just wanted an opportunity to play professionally. Uh, so obviously going in the first round is a nice cherry on top. Uh, so I was obviously thankful for the opportunity. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's obviously life-changing money for anybody. Um, so, you know, it definitely makes uh, off-seasons, especially early on in my career, a lot easier where I can just kind of focus on, you know, what I need to do to get ready for every season versus, you know, having to go out and find a job and, you know, playing around. Uh, you know, work schedules and everything like that. But yeah, definitely, uh, definitely makes life a lot easier. Yeah. And this is something that I always usually ask the first rounders we get, like how weird is that for you as like an 18 year old or not you were 18, sorry, you got drafted at a university, but even like in, the, in your low twenties, most of your friends are like trying to find jobs at a university. They're making minimum right. wage working right. at, working at ice cream parlors. I don't know how I came up with that. And you're out here just grinding in the major leagues. You got, Two million in the bank account. Was that kind of weird for you? Yeah, it's crazy. Oddly enough, you said ice cream, uh, ice cream shop. My wife uh, worked at an ice cream shop while we were dating in college, so that was <laughs> that's pretty funny. But yeah, I, it is weird. Um, when I honestly, when I first got uh, the first half deposit, it kind of you don't really understand how much it really is because like you're still kind of in that college mindset, that budgeting, like you know, groceries that cost this much, everything like that, and. You don't really, uh, it takes a while to under, kind of understand, uh, you know, how much it actually is. And what was the, what was the weirdest thing you bought? I love these stories, to be honest. Our listeners love these stories because I just love hearing about the young 20 year old guys buying just the dumbest shit because they just have pretty much like in their head unlimited money. Yeah. Um, the dumbest thing that I bought, I don't know. I, when I, so oddly enough, um, I'm an Under Armour athlete, uh, but when I went to the Nike factory store, I probably spent over two grand on Nike stuff just for, you know, friends, family. <laughs> I basically bought a bunch of stuff that I can't wear. Uh, so that was, that was probably the dumbest thing that I did. <laughs> so uh, hopefully Under Armour doesn't listen to this, man, because, I mean, you would just hate to see it. And, and when you're an Under Armour athlete, don't you just, like, go to any Under Armour store, buy Under Armour, and then you send them the receipt? And then they reimburse you? Is that how it works? Uh, no. So what they do is they have uh, stuff called merch money. So you get a certain amount uh, to spend on, you know, non-baseball-related things. Like, uh, I, I get my wife a lot of stuff, like workout clothes and stuff like that. And my dad, I get him a lot of shoes. Um, and then in terms of, like, baseball stuff, they, they just cover all that. They send it to me, whatever I need. Uh, yeah, they're, they're awesome about that. Um, sending me you know more than i need actually but yeah, they're the best 
Yeah, and I on I remember because I'm a big, obviously a big Blue Jays guy, and I'm dialed in on this. I remember when the Jays drafted you, man, and they were just stroking you off, like like Nate Pearson status. Like in, in the media here, it was like TJ Zoic. I said it right there is gonna be he's gonna be that big time arm for the Blue Jays, and you're just buzzing right now through the system, which is good. Um, you out of high school, you got drafted though by the Kansas City Royals in the 31st round, and said no. Thank God you said no because you cashed out first round uh, <laughs> your junior year. What went into that decision for you to kind of say no to play pretty much every kid's dream to play Major League Baseball or to sign a Major League contract at a high school? Uh, you know, I just had a good circle of people around me. My high school coach, my parents, you know, we were we understood uh, kind of how the whole process worked um, and how like, you know, guys who are lower rounds similar to that in that 30 and that 30 range don't typically get a lot of money. Um, and we had sat down and decided that in order for me to forego college, it was going to have to be a life changing amount. And, you know, unfortunately that's not what, well, I guess fortunately now, but that's not what they had offered me. Uh, so I just, you know, it was pretty easy decision there to go to college and try to get better and improve, uh, draft stock. And, you know, I was able to, to accomplish that. Yeah, and then you go to Pitt, and I have a funny story about Pitt, because there's a guy, I don't know if he was there when you were there, R.J. Fuhrer, or Fur, I don't know how to say his last name. No, but, I, uh, but I know who he is. I've, I've... So this guy, so this is the funny thing, this is why my playing career is just a joke, it's just a, a never-ending joke. I So they're filming like a Major League draft video for this guy. So like, they're making the MLB draft video of him pitching off the mound, and I'm watching this video, and I'm like, holy shit, that guy to bat looks familiar. And it's me. And this guy just carved me with three fastballs. <laughs> I'm in the batter's box, and I am so late. And honestly, RJ, I, I want to reimburse. I want a little bit of money for me making you look really good on the mound. For, for I mean, yeah, if, if a scout's looking at that, they probably see my athletic build. And they're like, wow, this guy probably mashes. And then you just carve me. So yeah. I'm. If you could reach out to the guys at Pittsburgh, I kind of want a scholarship, or I kind of want some money for making him look so good. Yeah, I'll see what I can do about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, talking about Pittsburgh, let's go into your freshman year. And this is a stat for me that honestly doesn't really make that much sense. And if I was a pitcher, I would just be fighting my offense. You went 2-6, and six, and you had a 2.75 ERA, which is bananas of an ERA. Like, obviously really good. Mm-hmm. How were you 2-6? and six? Did you come into, like, pretty bad scenarios? Or was it just you got bad luck with the offense side? Um, so... Early on in my uh, freshman year, I was the I was one of the I was in the weekend rotation. Um, I didn't pitch too well my first couple weekends, so they decided to make me a midweek starter slash long guy on the weekends. So for most of my freshman year, that was kind of the situation. Uh, so I would come into games where we would, you know, be up a run or something like that, and if I were to give up one or two, which is kind of how it rolled. Um, and then towards the end of my freshman year, I started to throw really well. Um, and I started throwing more innings and I actually got back into the weekend rotation for the last couple weekends. So I think that just kind of, you know, I had two or three really good outings that were long. So I think that just kind of helped, uh, pad my numbers a little bit so that my ERA is probably a little bit deceiving that year, but I just had a couple of good outings right at the end of the year to help that. When you were in like high school or college, was that when you kind of knew like, Hey, like I I'm. I have a pretty good chance here of making it to the big leagues or I have a pretty good chance of just getting paid to play baseball. Is that when you, or did you realize that when you were younger, just going uh, 27, 20, 27 up, 27 down on the little kids uh, batting rotation? 
Um, we realized that that was baseball was what my future was going to be on in for a, from a pretty early age. Uh, when I was, you know, middle school, early high school, my kind of my goal was just to get, you know, go play in college somewhere. Um, but as you know, my junior year approached and uh, junior and senior year of high school approach, we kind of realized that there were more pro scouts showing up. So uh, I figured at some point in my career, I might have a shot at playing professionally. Um, and then, you know, as we roll into college and uh, my years keep getting better and I, as a pitcher, keep growing and getting better that realize that the, there's a, a really good chance that I'm going to get a shot at professional baseball. Yeah. And then you make your professional debut uh, with the Blue Jays uh, in Bluefield. So I'm going to name the city of all the Blue Jays minor league teams. And you just uh, at the snap of a finger, say one word that describes that city. All right. Okay. Bluefield. Here's something that's weird. I actually didn't play in Bluefield. I don't know why the stats say I did. I made my debut down in the GCL for the, with the Blue Jays. I was down there for a month, and that's when I got – after that, I got sent up to Vancouver. Okay, so can we start the narrative that you are the greatest Bluefield pitcher of all time? Because it says here your ERA is zero. So hey, technically, well, you're one of the greatest that's ever done it for the Bluefield Blue Jays. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Okay, right so we're just going to eliminate the blue field because right. that's not on me. That's on MLB.com. So yeah. if people want to chirp me for not doing the research, MLB.com, be better. Anyway, the yeah, next I've one seen I that at a do... lot of places, and I, it's always on the back of my cards, too, that I played there. I'm like, well, I did so. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one I wanted to bring up is Vancouver. Gorgeous. Lansing, the trenches. Funny enough, I actually didn't spend too much time in the city of Lansing. They sent me up there. Uh, for the last 10 days for the season, and I met the team in Lake County for three. Uh, I went back to Lansing for three days, and I just stayed in the hotel right across the street from the field, and then we were back in Lake County for the end of the season. Okay, so, so I feel like I wouldn't be short. doing justice to give it a uh, – yeah, short. No, go short. Perfect. <laughs> okay, Dunedin. I've heard good things about Dunedin, so uh, give me the in-depth look here. Too hot. Too hot? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're from Ohio, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we're used to the cold. We're used to the cold. You're like one of us. That's why you fit here so well in Toronto. The next one go. is New Hampshire. <sighs> um, Gritty. Gritty. Dude, I thought you were going to say that about Buffalo. Because Buffalo is the blue-collar capital of America. So, let's go into Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo, nicer than you think. Downtown is a, is a nicer area than you think. Yeah, and you know this obviously because you you uh, like got called up from Buffalo to Toronto. It's like a forty minute drive for me to Buffalo, so I'm pretty like I yeah. love Buffalo. I'm a big I'm a big advocator of Bills Mafia jumping through tables, getting blackout drunk, there you go. <laughs> and just talk, talk. So talk about the the Buffalo Bisons because with the crazy thing that people don't realize about the Buffalo Bison is, is like the town is gritty. But then you just see this beautiful baseball field in the middle of just the trenches, like factories. It's yeah. it, it's the craziest thing of all time. What was it like playing there? Oh, it was a ton of fun. You know, we got great fans there. Uh, a lot of people, you know, even on like Tuesday night games, you get a ton of people in the stands. And then obviously on weekend games, especially night games, they pack the house. Um, so, you know, it's just a great environment to play in. And then, you know, I was there with a, a group of guys that, you know, just made showing up to the baseball field a lot of fun every day. Everybody got along, everybody enjoyed what they were doing and everybody was, you know, there to put in the work to, you know, get to the next level. Yeah. And, and in Buffalo, let me just break some news for people that don't know who 2J Zoic is. They're going to know soon. 
You threw, and this is, I'm not even going to talk about it. You threw a no-hitter for the Buffalo Bison, but this is what makes it even cooler. This is the first no-hitter ever thrown for the Bison since guess who? Take a guess who. Bartolo Colon. Boom. I mean, yeah. trivia guy. But, yeah, no, it, it's the first no-hitter ever thrown for the Buffalo Bison since Bartolo Colon. So I said we're not going to talk about it, but now you got me all fired up about it. Talk about that no-hitter. I couldn't even imagine throwing a no-hitter. And you might be the first ever guest we had on this show that threw a no-hitter in professional baseball. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I mean, I had an idea that it was going on, but I wasn't. I wouldn't really look at the scoreboard unless I was kind of checking for outs. <laughs> um, but then, you know, once that kind of the ninth inning rolled around, uh, I, at first I was worried that they were just going to take me out because of pitch count, because um, they're they're pretty. You know, the Jays are pretty strict on keeping their the young guys healthy and you know watching their how much they're uh, throwing. Um, but you know, the manager and pitching coach decided to let me go back out there for the ninth. Uh, which obviously I'm grateful for, and then, you know, just tried to go one pitch at a time. Uh, obviously, Jonathan Davis made the best catch I've ever seen to yep. save no hitter with one out, uh, and then make it the second out. And then, you know, after that, I figured, you know, someone's on my side, someone up above is on my side for this. So, you know, just gotta get back and make quality pitches. And the last guy, oddly enough, hits a comebacker right to me uh, for a nice, you know easy toss to first base to, to end it. You know, I just kind of lost it from right there. And that's the beautiful thing about baseball is, man, it's like some guy will make a catch that you never imagine would happen in your wildest dreams. Like a guy diving like 50 feet to catch a ball to preserve yeah. a no-hitter. Did Now now it's we're going to be truthful here. What did you buy Jonathan Davis for making that catch? You buy him a nice steak dinner? Yeah, uh, I believe it was the next night. We uh, a bunch of us went out to dinner, um, and him and his wife were there. And I picked up the tab for them for obviously for obvious reasons. <laughs> I wish, man. I wish. I wish I would have saved the no hitter for someone. I was too busy actually ruining no hitters. And this is actually another <laughs> cool stat about me and you. I also threw a no hitter in high school, four innings. Uh, no hits, two runs. So it, it's one of the coolest facts of all time. <laughs> I actually, I, I'm, I did throw a no hitter in high school. I don't remember what school it was, and it is Canadian high school for the American listeners. I was not a good pitcher, but I did. I threw, I threw a no hitter. So just to have that kind of mutual feeling on this podcast of yeah. two elite guys on the bump, it's just that. That's what it's like. <laughs> exactly. Hey, it's in the books. It's in the books. It's in the book. Technically, it's not in any book because I can't find it because I was trying to screenshot the ch- uh, the like uh, the box score where it said I threw no hits. But I still got the L, two, a little 2 nothing loss, but that's fine. You got the win. <laughs> that's all that matters. And this is the cool thing about you. You make your debut and against the, the, the team that I would think uh, Blue Jays pitcher, like the last team I'd ever think a Blue Jays pitcher would make their de- debut against, the Atlanta Braves. How right, yeah. how weird was that where you have to make your debut and maybe you have to step into the batter's box while you're making your pitcher's debut? Yeah, that was the first thought that I had creeped into my head when I saw we were in Atlanta. <laughs> I was I'm going to have to hit. <laughs> and I was uh, I faced uh, Mike Fultonevich who, you know, throws gas and I haven't seen a I haven't stepped into the box since I was in high school. <laughs> so I'm just I walked up there and uh, the catcher uh, Flowers is, you know, awesome guy talked to him a little bit while I was at bat and I said man just don't hit me <laughs> that's, that's all I asked for so I mean yeah it was it was uh you know it was an insane feeling uh obviously getting called up and then you know facing guys who 
you know, I've been seeing on TV for the last few years, guys like Freddie Freeman, uh, Josh Donaldson, even uh, Ronald Acuna. It's just, it's, it's a weird, weird uh, feeling to see those guys in the, in the batter's box. And you mentioned Freddie Freeman and I, Freddie, this is, if you're listening, this is a promise I'm going to make to you. I'm going to be the new recruiter for team Canada, the world baseball classic. So TJ, I mean, are, are you busy during that time of year? Because we might have to figure something out here. I mean, I've mentioned this to guests all the time. I will sacrifice a family member that you have to marry <laughs> just, just so you can play on team Canada. We need to get this country on the map. So hey. I just think about it. We, we need you or maybe get the passport quick. We need you for the world baseball classic. <laughs> hey, if there was a way for me to be a, for me to, for me to play, that'd be, you know, that'd be awesome to be a part of that. Uh, unfortunately already married. So that one's out the window, but <laughs> You know, if we can find some sort of loophole to get me up there, then, uh, you know, that'd be great. Well, I'll just give you my passport. We'll just, uh, we'll try to forge it. But the people will uh, research it and they'll <laughs> see this guy was a joke. But, uh, but, <laughs> but talking about Canada and you play for the Blue Jays, you make that debut and we're going to go back into it uh, when you got the call to the big leagues. But I just wanted to talk about this first because I'm going to forget. Um, how cool is it to play for a team that represents a whole country? Oh, it's unbelievable. You know, you just you have such a large fan base that, like you said, spans across an entire country. Uh, you know, the the amount of people in the stands for, like, I, similar to Buffalo, you know, the amount of people in the stands for every game, whether it be a Friday night or a, a Tuesday afternoon, is incredible. You know, they bring a lot of energy. Uh, you know, and the people, I, they're so nice. I've been up there, uh, fortunate enough to be up there for Winterfest two years in a row. Uh, just meeting everybody and how polite they are and how, you know, they, they treat all the players that are up there, even guys who they may not know who they are, honestly. Uh, you know, it's just they, everybody's up there is just so gracious and, and amazing to the players. Playing for Canada, it's just it's the craziest thing ever. And people don't kind of realize how when the Blue Jays are good, man, this city is bananas. Like when they were like when they had Joey Bats uh donaldson stroman and they were in the playoffs this city is the like the craziest thing of all time because you gotta think it's like with the raptors championship last year the whole city the whole country is behind this is behind this one team man it's just that's what i make that's what it makes the difference for me and this is the thing that i find so funny and and it perfectly describes americans so i remember um the jays are facing the texas rangers and the Rangers fans are chanting USA. Like the whole Jays team is an American. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? I, yeah. th- can you wrap your head around that? Like, I can't even imagine how dumb, like the, the thoughts have to run through your brain when you're chanting USA when the whole team is pretty much American. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, fans can get rowdy and just whatever. Start, somebody starts, you know, chanting something and then the next guy, next guy, next guy picks it up and, a lot of things that fans say sometimes are just it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. And you were a rookie last year, so I'm assuming that you probably heard a pretty good amount of chirps from fans at opposing fields because you played a lot of games actually on the road. Uh, if I'm looking yeah. at it right here, what was the funniest chirp that a fan said to you? Because we had Nick Kingham on earlier, and a fa- a Red Sox fan said to Nick, like, "Who are you?" Like, just straight up, who are you to Nick, which is hilarious. <laughs> but have yeah. you had any funny chirps like that? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't think I had any funny chirps uh, because, actually, luckily, while we were in Yankee Stadium and I was warming up, there were people, you know, fans filing in and watching me throw. And I had a really good bullpen session before the game. But I had a guy above me just commenti- commenting on every pitch that I threw. 
so that was uh, that was pretty funny. But luckily, like I said, I didn't uh, they didn't get too nasty with me because I was throwing pretty well. But you know, I guess just the atmosphere in Yankee Stadium, just like when uh, I gave up a double to Judge, and you know they went nuts, and then I gave up another hit to Stanton, and they went nuts. Just how loud, how how loud it gets as fast as it does. Yeah, and, and go uh, going into the let's go back before we get into your uh, your first career start. Where were you when you got the call to the big leagues? Because we've heard some like weird stories. With uh, you heard on the Thomas Pannone interview, the guy just called him at like eleven thirty, said you're going to the big leagues. Very anticlimactic. Was it like that for you? Uh, no. Uh, we were my my family and I were kind of just waiting the whole the rest. I shouldn't say the whole season, but the last part of the season, because you know the the AAA season's coming to an end. You know they're kind of, they're making their decisions for September call-ups. Yeah, uh, we were actually at the field uh, for the last game of the AAA season in Scranton, and I was you know just getting loose to start the day. And pitching coach comes up, says, you know, can we talk to you for a minute? And I'm like, okay, well at least I'm gonna find out whether I'm going or not. Um, and you know, obviously our manager. Uh, tells me, you know, you're going to meet the team in Atlanta. You're going to, you're going to the big leagues. And, you know, I hugged him and thanked him. I thanked the pitching coach because, you know, he helped me a ton that, uh, last year, uh, especially when I started off struggling. Um, and then I uh, tried to call my wife twice and she didn't answer. And then I tried <laughs> to call my dad and he didn't answer. And I tried to call my mom and then uh, she didn't answer. And then uh, my, one of my, I think my dad called me back a couple minutes later. I'm well, like, I can't get a hold of anybody who wants to know. So this is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's something you dream of when you were a kid, like calling your dad saying, I did it, man. I'm in the show. And yeah. just no pickup. You have to leave no a voicemail up. and say, hey, dad, uh, you might want to call me back. I have some pretty important news coming yeah. in here. <laughs> and, and we'll we'll stay with the minors for a second because I, 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 I skipped over some funny stories here. If you have any, do you have any funny stories about like uh, weird towns you visited or just like crazy fans or parks that you kind of came across? Um, I, one of the most memorable uh, parks that we played at was last year in Charlotte. Uh, honestly, that is a major league stadium that doesn't have enough seats to be a major league stadium. It's right in the heart of Charlotte, downtown Charlotte. It's honestly one of the most beautiful stadiums I've ever seen, including the big league stadiums that I went to. Uh, just unbelievable. Um, funny, uh, you know what? I don't really have any funny stories off the top of my head. Um, you know, there's yeah, just the normal, like the minor league grind, just kind of, you know, busting everywhere. Um, uh, you know what? Uh, a decent story from, uh, so when I got the call to get called up, um, we had a flight that was supposed to take off um, after the game, obviously at night. And then so we get, we're at the airport a couple hours early. It was uh, myself, Anthony Alford, and Jonathan Davis. And we are, you know, sitting at the gate waiting. They're like, yeah, your flight's delayed uh, an hour and then an hour and a half and then two hours. It just keeps getting delayed even farther. So it's, you know, 1130 at night. And they're like, okay, now we're going to start boarding the plane. So we get on the plane and we sit on the tarmac for two hours. And the pilot comes on the plane <laughs> and says, yeah, we've been sitting here too long. It's no longer illegal for us to take <laughs> off, so the flight's canceled. So we You're end kidding. up no, we end up so we you know uh, get put on the next flight out at six a.m. the next day, and it's already one two in the morning. So we ended up sleeping in the airport, just waiting. We got about it was like a three hour nap that we got just sitting at the gate. <laughs> yeah, well, I got to Atlanta on that 
often on three hour nap and then I'm there at eight in the morning. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That is hell. And, and, and this is, this is something I, I want to also start a little bit of a narrative for you. Can, can we call you the Yankee killer? Is that, would that be appropriate? Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, that'd be an awesome nickname to have, but you know, if that starts, if that catches on somewhere and, uh, you know, I have a bad outing against them that, uh, not going to go so well for me. So, well, the reason why I mentioned that, and you obviously know, first of all, I just want to say you made me money off that game. Cause I hammered the blue Jays to beat the Yankees when you were starting, whatever. Uh, thank you for your service on that. <laughs> hey, you're but welcome. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to bring up is it just, well, I mean, you got your first career win against the Yankees. I mean, you went five. You, I think I believe it was five and one third of an inning, and I'm you, uh, you were pretty much carving up the Yankees. You gave up a double, I believe, to DJ Lemayhew. Yeah. But other than that, man, I mean, that was a crazy good start for a, especially a rookie going up against that lineup, like that World Series contending team. What was running through your head when your first career major league start is against the most historic franchise in baseball? Uh, you know, obviously, obviously I was thinking about that early on in the day, just kind of, you know, wondering who's going to be playing, who, you know, where, uh, where's judge going to be at in the order, uh, guys like that, Stanton going to be playing, you know, cause I have so many, there's so much depth over there and guys who are just excellent hitters. Uh, so when I got to the field and I kind of, you know, I uh, studied the lineup and I looked at who was playing, um, after that, you know, just trying to lock in on, you know, doing what I got to do to get ready and just try to lock in on the catcher and, you know, whatever he was, uh, whatever signs he was putting down. Uh, I believe it was Reese catching that game. Uh, and so I, you know, I'd thrown to him in Buffalo and we developed a good rapport. Uh, so I just, you know, trusting him and, you know, the, how smart he is back there, and, you know, just go. Shout out to you, man, for, for just kind of holding your composure there because some guys, when they get into that moment and they're, and they make the moment too big when they're pitching against the Yankees or just even making their major league debut, what adjustments did you have to kind of make? And this question makes no sense to the start of the question, but what adjustments did you have to make adjusting from coming out of the pen originally for the Blue Jays and the MLB, and then you just kind of get thrown into the fire and then you're a starter? Uh, yeah, uh, I think the, when they used the opener for me, it was just kind of, they told me to just treat it as much as a start as I can, just kind of start my routine later, uh, than I normally would. So I would go out, I still got to go out into the outfield, play long toss with the catcher, uh, you know, do my normal stuff. It was just kind of delaying my, uh, bullpen warm up uh, until the start of the game. So they, oh. they kept, they helped me, they helped me out to keep it simple. Yeah, no, I, Charlie Montoya does do a pretty good job of that. And there's something here that not many know about you. Your dad actually played in the show two games for the Kansas City Royals. Were you alive for when this happened? And what advice did you, has your dad given you about playing in the big leagues? No, that was, that was actually long before I was born. Um, but he, you know, the advice he gave me was just kind of do what got you there. Just kind of don't try, don't worry about making any any huge adjustments to try and be better. Uh, just because you're facing better hitters, uh, you know, there's a reason that they called you up uh, and that they're, you know, just kind of trust your stuff and, you know, make the tiny in-game adjustments that you always have to make that everybody's got to make. Uh, but, you know, just trust yourself, trust your preparation and, you know, just be confident. Yeah, and this is something that I also wanted to mention. I have a couple of rule changes that I like to bring to the game of baseball to make the game of baseball more fun again. I feel like these things, these are electric. I, I brought this up a little bit earlier in the history of the show, so you might have not heard it. But this is the first rule that I want to bring up. The first rule that I want to bring up is if a hitter hits a home run with a dip in his mouth, he counts as two runs. What? <laughs> 
I don't know. I feel like some guys are just so used to that that it would be way too easy of a way too easy of a two run shot for them. We'll see. It, 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 then it would be a good marketing thing for uh, for tobacco companies because then they'd be like, "Why don't you dip?" Because then it's two runs, right? Then guys have to right. adjust the dipping, and we'll just ignore the health side effects to it. The next the, the next rule that I have is a little bit more of a pitcher friendly rule. Uh, if so, let's say an umpire is squeezing you. Or a fan's heckling you, like, very bad, like, horrible. This is my rule you get. You get one a year. You get to fight either an umpire or a fan <laughs> in center field. You get one. It's one. You can't waste it early. It's like a it's like a hall pass. You get one fight of a fan or an umpire every single year, and that's it. When you use that card, it's over. What do you think about that? Because I feel like that would make the game of baseball really fun. It turned into, like, WWE. I feel like that would definitely uh, that would definitely quiet some fans down. Uh, some of these, some of these bigger guys that get that are they're chirping that they're going after. Maybe they, uh, maybe they just sit down and watch the game. Yeah, no, I, this is why I think the rules electric because I am a big advocator of I hate foul ball guy. You know who foul ball guy is? Obviously, he's all yeah. over the internet pick, picking up balls from people. I'm not a big fan of foul ball guy, and I also find it very weird when old guys wear like jerseys of young guys at major league games or old guys when they're not with their son. They're like they have a like an outfielder's glove when they're in foul territory. I just, those are some of the things that I find weird. I don't know if you noticed that as like a a player, but this is just my this is like the average Joe coming to thought. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I just think you know, the thing that I think is weird sometimes is when there's you know a grown man who isn't like you said isn't with his kid or anything like that is just hustling after foul balls. <laughs> I'm like I'm just, I'm just like man, just give it to a kid. Like he, he's gonna value it way more than you are. Like just because somebody hit it, like but that kid just wants a ball. He didn't care who it's from. Some guys are just going after it because you know Mike Trout hit a foul ball or Vlad Jr. hit a foul ball, and they it's it's, it's just ridiculous sometimes. Yeah, and let's talk about Vladdy. I mean, Vladdy is just he's the songbird, the savior of Toronto sports, man. I mean, I I have a Vladdy jersey. Hand up to me. I'll probably have to get a Zoic jersey soon. But the Vladdy is the most mysterious man because he doesn't speak a lick of English, which makes him even more lovable. Um, what is Vladdy like in the change room? Like, is is there is it tough because of the language barrier? Um, no, Vladdy's awesome, honestly. But it's it can be tough. But he understands enough English that if I'm like if I was trying to talk to him or telling something, he's gonna understand what I'm saying. I think the only thing he struggles with a little bit is trying to respond. I think that's it. So the communication there really isn't that big a language barrier between him and you know the other guys. Okay, because I was thinking, you know, I might, I might just say, screw it, get Vladdy on the podcast, have to get a translator. I feel like it'd be a very weird podcast to have three guys going at it, just a translator for 45, <laughs> 50 minutes, translating what I'm saying to Vladdy. And some of the stuff you probably can't even say in Spanish, because like I said, I said to Panone, I said it to, I've said it to every Jays guy I got in here, Vladdy has a trunk on him. And he has, I think he has the biggest ass <laughs> in Major League Baseball. He's the thickest baseball player on the planet. Uh, is Vladdy, and this is something that I I don't know if this is true, but is he a little bit cocky on the field? Like, does he know he's good? Like, does he know he's nasty at baseball? Because if he does, I respect the hell out of it. Yeah, I think he knows. I mean, I think he knows he's good, and I think he knows how good he is, but he doesn't really act like it. Like, he doesn't, like, walk around uh, the field or the locker room like he's better than anybody. He, you know, is one of the, he's a teammate. He's a good teammate. Uh, he doesn't, you know, Thing. He doesn't walk around like I said, like acting like he's better than people, or you know, doing things that you know he can only he can do, or you know, so he's, some people might say. But 
he's a he's a great guy to be around. Uh, honestly, if you weren't a baseball fan at all and you were just kind of talking to him, you would have no idea how how talented and how good he actually is. Yeah, and do, do you have a story about your first encounter with Vladdy? Because you guys all I kind of came you didn't you you kind of came up together through the minors because yeah. you were in AAA, Double A. When he was there, I believe. So what was your first encounter with the the thickest, the best thickness to mash ratio in Major League history, Vladdy Guerrero? I think the most, the biggest impression that I got was when I uh, got moved up to double A uh, in April. Yeah, April sounds right. And I, the first uh, home run I saw him hit, uh, I don't know if you know, there's a big hotel really yeah. deep in left yeah, yeah. field in New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah. And I saw him hit it off the hotel. And I said, <laughs> holy crap, this guy's got stupid juice. And, he, I mean, he did it all year, too. He would just repeatedly pepper that hotel, especially in BP. We had to keep yelling at people who were eating dinner or lunch outside the, <laughs> at, at the on the deck. And just watch out, man. And, dude, that's the legend of Vladdy, man. He's just – he's the mo- he's so mysterious. It's just like he's so under underrated. He's not underrated, I guess, but he's so low-key because he's hidden away in Toronto – and yeah. the only people that kind of talk about him on a religious basis is the Toronto sports media. So when when I, I feel like, especially for you could talk on this, when you saw what he did in that home run derby, were you just like, whatever, I see him do yeah. this every day? Yeah, <laughs> I was, I, I've watched him hit I've watched him hit home run derbies every day in BP. It's like, I was not surprised at all that he was in the finals. And I mean, he just, the, the easy power that he has is ridiculous. He just, it feels like he's swinging 50% and he hits at 400 feet. He he's crazy, man. He really is, and they they've been talking about him in the media here since he was 16. And believe it or not, man, I'm pretty sure he's born in Canada. I could be wrong on that. I think he is. I think he is a Canadian citizen, technically. Yeah, I, I think, oh, he, I think that's right. My eyes just fucking lit up for this Team Canada team. Could you imagine this though? Think about this. You got Freddie Freeman, Joey Votto, uh, you, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Screw it, we'll even throw Jason Bay in the mix, even though he's old as hell. I'm just saying, man, it could be up to something serious here with Team hey, Canada. You never know. You never know. <laughs> you're right. You're right on that. And the and what's Vladdy's batting average, or what is he lifetime against TJ Zoy? Because I need to know. I need to know if he's faced you in the batter's box. I think I threw a – I think I've only faced him one time in a live BP, so there's no infielders. Uh, but if we're being – objective i would say he's one for two with a laser <laughs> single up the middle and and there was a video that actually surfaced a couple weeks ago before people like uh like spring training technically started that this hit he got off anthony k what do you do in that scenario when you see a guy on your team put a, a baseball off of mars off of you in the spring what's that kind of reaction that you have for that well if it was off of me uh you know i'd be like well that's what he does <laughs> I'd say don't don't throw the ball there if you don't want him to hit it that far. It's to be honest, I mean that's just kind of he's he's an excellent player, he's an excellent hitter, he's a tremendous talent. So he's one of those guys that you've got to be careful because, like you said, he could put a ball on Mars at any time if you make a mistake. And uh, what is what is what would be your reaction if a guy that's in your system, technically not on the, on the MLB Blue Jays, hits a bomb off you in like inner squad and then pimps it? What would be your reaction to that? Would you throw at him next AB? I don't know if I'd throw at him, but if you're pimping home runs in an inner squad, that's kind of tough. I don't know. I don't know if I – I don't think I'd agree with that. 
Let's see, that was that was my bread and butter. That was my bread and butter, pimping home runs off of inner squads, because that's when I was the greatest. So I call myself the fall American for those listeners that want to. <laughs> I'm one of the greatest fall hitters of our generation. I'll, I'll take that to the grave. That might have to be on my tombstone. The greatest fall hitter in the country. Maybe. I think, yeah, I think it would be different. If it was like a friend of mine and he did it, then it'd be different, obviously, because then, you know, like we always, all of us in, in the system and in, on, on the Jays go back and forth chirping at each other, you know, you know, having competitions between one another. So if it was a friend of mine, if it was like, let's say if it was a Vladdy or a Bo or Cavan or something like that, then yeah, I, mean, that, I would be fine with that because then they're just trying to get under my skin. But if it was somebody that I had no idea, I had never met him or anything like that, then I'd probably have a problem with it. Yeah, and mentioning friends, that's a great segue by me and you. Um, who Who is your best, like, who is the guy that you're the closest with on the Blue Jays? The closest with? Um, I'd say there's a there's probably a group of guys that I'd say I'm closest with. Uh, Jordan Romano, uh, relief pitcher with us. Uh, Patrick Murphy, he's another excellent pitcher in the system. Uh, Taylor Saucedo, another guy who's a, an excellent pitcher in the system. Uh, and then Nate Pearson. As part of that group, as well as Anthony K. Ryan. I mean, there's a bunch of mostly pitchers, honestly. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. much who I spend my whole all my time with. Yeah, you guys stick together. And can you make this nickname work? I, I mentioned it. I'm going to mention it to every Blue Jays guy until I die. You got to start calling Nate the the thick six god. That that name has it's to hit six. sooner than later. <laughs> all right, I'll you know I'll bring it up to him and see what he, see what he feels. Oh, he'll, he'll, he'll immediately just text me and be like, he'll probably say, Johnny, this is never going to work, but this is this <laughs> has to work. The thick six gods, some things are meant to be. And now, and that just came in my mind. I was like, this this has to be his nickname. So let's talk about Nate, man. I mean, I, I, we, I mentioned him with uh, Trent and I mentioned him with Thomas, but you're a little bit closer to him than they are because you kind of played with him majority of the time last year. Mm-hmm. What is Nate like? Like, just... What's it like to watch this guy just carve up every single hitter in every level? It, it's honestly incredible. Yeah, like it's like you said, you hit the nail on the head. It's incredible. It's a, he's a special guy to watch. He's got incredible talent, and not only the talent, he works just as hard. Uh, you know, the, see the routine he goes through week to week. Never changes. Never he never makes an excuse. He never comes in and says, you know, I, oh, I don't feel like doing this today. He puts in you know, all the work that he has to, to be as good as he is. And it's, it's really, uh, it's awesome to be around. Uh, I like to try to be a kind of guy like that as well. Um, just, but so it's, it's awesome to have a guy, a guy like that who is a starting pitcher where, you know, we're in the same rotation and you know, we kind of feed off of each other. And the cool thing is you both are first round draft picks. So if you're looking at, if you're looking at the sample size of Blue Jays, like, if, if they're making the right draft pick. I mean, I think they've done a pretty good job, man, just even bringing you guys through the system. That's back-to-back first-round draft picks that are in them. Like, you made your MLB debut, so you're, t- you're a big leaguer, and Nate's going to be a big leaguer later this yeah. year. So I would say the Jays' farm system is definitely doing something right to have two first-rounders kind of develop and make it to the show because that's it, it's tough. to it, There's a lot of busts out there, man. Yeah, I mean, the, the drafting is at some you know at some points it's it's just, it's like a crapshoot. You just kind of have to make your best guess based on the information that you have, and um, you know, I think they, obviously the Jays are hitting the nail on the head with a lot of their draft guys. I mean, myself, Kevin, and Bo from the same uh, draft class, just you know, the first five rounds. I mean, all three of us made their made our debuts uh, in three years or less. So I think you know, you can't really argue with those results. Yeah, and what is Bo like, man? And, and like, 
he also is one of those guys that I don't know if you watch hockey. He's kind of like the Austin Matthews of the Blue Jays. You know, if you understand that reference. I do, actually. <laughs> yeah, like he's the guy that just every girl in the city wants to be with him. Every guy wants to be him. <laughs> what is Bo Bichette like? And, and he's the kind of guy that likes to show off the cockiness in the field, and I love it. I love this guy. Yeah, he's. I love him too, man. He's awesome. He's great. Like he's another guy who's awesome to be around. I think if you were to ask uh, everybody on the on the Jays about other guys on the team or in the system, they're all going to say the same thing. You know, the, the front office really did a nice job of picking guys who, you know, they are easy to get along with. They're fun to be around. Uh, he was a part of that group in Buffalo and in New Hampshire that just kind of made work uh, showing up to work every day. You know, enjoyable and everybody. You know, part of. Uh, doing what we do uh why we love it so he's just like i said he's another guy who's an incredible talent and he puts in the work and you can see he, I've, I've been able to see him uh get better and better it seems like with every day uh and he just continues to in- improve in every aspect of the game and it's really it's been awesome to be a part of and have the guy like that behind me yeah and he's the kind of guy that i like I, i'll say this till the day i die he's the big fish for this podcast I just think you should just throw him subtle hints. Like, I'm just going to get all the Jays guys <laughs> to just mention officially unofficial. Not not in a sentence. Just walk past him and just whisper it until it <laughs> kind of just stays in his head. He's like, what's officially unofficial? Let me search this up. And then, holy shit, it's a Toronto-based podcast that's electric. I'm just want, I just don't want that to kind of just groom in his <laughs> mind. Just kind of grow him up, grow him into it. I don't know if, he, if he's even done a podcast. But, Bo, I mean... The offer's on the table. I, I, I don't have any monetary value. I'll just be your uh, burner account on Twitter. That's all I can offer. <laughs> there you go. And you and you talked about that young core of the Blue Jays, man. And I have a proposition, another proposition. I, I'm full of propositions. When the Blue Jays, I'm saying when, when the Blue Jays win the World Series, I am asking you for a favor of saving a spot for me on the parade bus, on one of the parade buses. <laughs> Okay. Oh, you know what? I'll, I will. I will see what I can do about that. I'll see how much pull I have at that point. No, it's just, the thing is, it just I'm I'm gonna just use you guys as my references. I'll be like, listen, I got Nate, Trent, Thomas, and then uh, and then TJ that they're gonna vouch for me, and I'll, I'll be the guy that when people are throwing beers up to the bus, I'll just be cranking them. You guys can keep it as cool as you want. I'll just be as polluted as possible. Yeah, I'll have a designated I'll, beer I'll, guy. Perfect. I'll, just throw them to me. Throw them to me. So there you have it. I mean. That that's what I'm talking about right there is it's on the record that he's going to pull some, he might try to pull some strings and you're going to probably be like a top three starter on the team by then. So, I mean, whatever you say goes for the blue Jays at that point, <laughs> if I'm, if I'm right. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how much, like I said, we'll see how much pull I can get. Yeah. And I, I talked about rule changes, but let's get into something serious here for a second. The Ma- major league baseball actually changed a couple of the rules for the bullpen guys where they have to throw to three hitters minimum, which I think is kind of, I mean, I don't mind that rule, to be honest, because being a fan and just being at the game, and then you see these pitching changes after one hitter, and I get it, it's strategic. What are your thoughts on that on that rule change of, like, a guy coming out of the pen has to face three guys minimum? Um, honestly, I'm kind of on the fence about it, because I do understand that that would speed the game up. Part of the reason sometimes spring training games take so long is because every two innings or so you're bringing in a new pitcher or even in between innings you're bringing in a new guy he's got to warm up and then he's got to go um so i can definitely see where it would speed the game up but at the same time i can see where it might cost some guys some jobs because you know you have the lefty specialists and you know every once in a while there's a righty specialist who's just really good at getting right-handers out um so i can see where 
Uh, I can see both sides of it, where people would be for it because it's, it could speed the game up, and I could see where people would be against it because it's you know not an old school uh, kind of feel to it. They're, people, they're, people are not, maybe not necessarily too happy with all the changes that have been coming, uh, and like I said, it could be costing guys some jobs. Yeah, and uh, it just it, you're right on that. And I have a rant. I usually rant about Rob Manfred. It's just some of the stupid things that he does. And you don't know this because you're a player and your family lives in the U.S. So you kind of get the luxury of this. But Major League Baseball blacked out watching Jays games on MLB TV if you live in Canada. How stupid is that? Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So if I'm trying to watch a Jays game on MLB TV, they'll black it out. So I can't watch it. I have to watch it physically on a TV. I believe that's how it goes, which doesn't make any sense. And another thing is, I, this is an idea of mine. What I'm going to do is, since I'm not allowed to tweet Major League Baseball highlights, I'm going to reenact Major League Baseball highlights on a t-ball field close to my house. <laughs> yeah, so when I a cool play gets happened, I, I, there it is. I, that's the brain going at it again. And um, <laughs> That would be fun to see. That would be fun to see. And and I don't know if you saw this video. I'll send it to you after the podcast. But uh, I hit 107 on a pull down. Not a big deal uh, oh, at this field. So that, that, and it wasn't 107. It was actually this is this is this is our secret. It was actually a calculator that had 107 on it. And I pretended uh, it was a radar gun. But no, that, that's our secret. No one no one heard that. No one let's do it. We'll cut that. But no one, um, yeah, no one has to know. So let's let's go into. I have a couple more questions. I never asked on the podcast, and I, I after it every single time, I'm like, why didn't I ask him this? What is Charlie Montoya like? Because I've heard many good stories about him, not on my podcast, obviously, but I heard he's just a great guy. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. Uh, he's a guy who's got a, a lot of feel, uh, a lot of feel for his players, uh, a lot of feel for you know just kind of how to run things day to day, and I think a lot of guys really appreciate that, especially uh, younger guys like myself who kind of, he kind of helps ease guys into how things work. He's not like a very strict, rigid, like this is how it is. He kind of, you know, like I said, he eases guys into things, uh, and he's very, he's been you know, very helpful in uh, making, uh, helping young guys adjust uh, quickly to uh, being on a new team. Yeah, and what was the what was the first thing that he said to you? Like, did he try to make you comfortable in that big league clubhouse, or was it just all business? Uh, he cracked a joke because since we were in Atlanta, he asked me if I could hit it all. And I said, I haven't hit that was in high school. And he said, all right, don't worry about it then. <laughs> and he would just you know, say, congratulations, the normal stuff, you know, welcoming me to the team and everything like that. Uh, but so if, if he cracked a joke first thing he said, so that definitely uh, put me at ease a little bit. Yeah, and the, the, I got two more questions. The, the, the next question is, there, the, the, there's a Jays prospect that's caught my eye. And this is a guy that, like, when I talk about thickness, I am speaking thickness to mash to a T. A little bit under Vladdy. His name is Alejandro yeah. Kirk. I knew what is this guy be. like? I've heard stories that this guy just mashes baseballs for a yeah. living. And he is like a, a, a tree trunk running around the bases. Is this true? Yeah, he is. He, I tell you what, he is going to be a big leaguer soon. And he is going to be a fan favorite. I'm telling you. This guy, he he hits with the best of them, and he has got maybe the softest hands I've ever seen behind the plate. The first time I ever threw to him uh, was a year or two ago in a bullpen session, and I started to question myself whether my fastball was moving at all because his hands are just so soft, and he makes everything look flat. I'm like, okay, something's wrong here. And the, I asked uh, a catching coordinator at the time. He said, no, that's just how good he is. I'm like, well, that's good. <laughs> 
Yeah, because I, I mean, he kind of he gets kind of put behind because the Jays have so many good prospects, right? I mean, right, yeah. with Vladdy Bichette, Biggio, that this guy's kind of flying under the radar. Yeah. Um, with with all that, and there's also a prospect, uh, Jordan Groshan, Groshan, I believe his name is. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't... I think that's right. Yeah, well, anyways, this guy, Big League, the podcast. So, Jordan, if you're listening to that, he promised me to come on the podcast. Big League, he hasn't answered since. Uh, you have a chance to reiterate yourself here, but it's all good, though. I got TJ Zoic. It's cooler. I got, I, got, I, got a, I, got a right, I got a specialist on the bump here. So, look, this is my last question because you're in spring training. And the Jays, man, this is a competitive pitching rotation to make and a yep. competitive bullpen to make, man. How are you going into spring training right now just uh, knowing that at, like literally every start is just you got to impress what you got to impress the coaches you got to impress the pitching coach and there's just so much competition there well i think the number one thing to think about for me is the adjustments that i uh, uh, were trying to make this off season um i last year uh was kind of never really had the feel for it uh, i walked way more guys than i usually do in a year um so obviously that was something i needed to fix uh, there were a couple of mechanical adjustments that I needed to make, uh, and I, you know, I worked on worked on them a lot this off season. And so those are the things I'm really just trying to focus on because those are the things that they identified at the end of the year that I really those are the number one things I needed to improve on. Uh, so I think if I can just stick to that and improve upon those things, then you know we'll let the cards fall where they may. Yeah, uh, that I mean that's a hell of an answer. And 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 honestly, man, when that when this baseball career is over, you might have a you might have a little career here in uh, podcasting radio. You got that voice for it. <laughs> Oh, and, I appreciate uh, it. You do, no, you really do, and you might be make take me out of business, or I'll hire you on as my co-host, <laughs> and we'll just take the world by storm here. All right, a All first right. rounder and a JUCO bust. It's some, sometimes it's a match made in heaven, those kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when when are you on the bump next? Let the fans know because uh, this podcast probably drop in a couple of weeks, but we'll just pretend that what you're saying now is your next appearance. Uh, I am starting tomorrow. I'm uh, not starting, but I am pitching tomorrow uh, against the against Bradenton. I guess not Bradenton against the Pirates. Uh, can we get a can we get a call out in the first pitch you're gonna throw fastball? Can we go fastball first pitch? I mean, it's 99 percent chance it's a sinker. That's just okay. Yeah, that's that's All the right. bread and butter for me. So <laughs> chances so, uh, are that's what's gonna be. I gotta put the Sports Center theme song in, in the back here. Da na na You're yeah. throwing a sinker. TJ Zoyk is throwing a sinker first pitch. But anyways, though, man, I appreciate you hopping on the podcast, and I I usually make clips for the podcast and. I don't even know what I'm going to have to pick here because there were so many electric parts of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, and there you have it, folks. I mean, future Blue Jays, number two guy on the mound, maybe even number one, goes Nate and him off the bump. Um, and, and he's going to be he's gonna be a, in a Blue Jays uniform for a long time, so stay tuned. And uh, don't forget about this podcast when you make it big and uh, you got 40 million followers on Instagram. So <laughs> let's just keep this right. going here. And uh, yeah. when you're in Toronto, man, I mean, White Claw's on me because they're in Canada now, so I'll buy them for us. All right, I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you.